This is the Loftus Party Podcast. A long time ago, we started a song, and we're bringing it back. Nazi, 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 Russia, 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 Russia. We're back. Hey, Liberty Gypsy is back uh, on the line. Hello. We're back after the Hello. We're back after the holidays, and we're back singing the Russia, Russia, Russia song in full effect. We got we got the Flynn going down. They make it sound like it's the end of the world, yeah? Oh, yeah. He was going to throw Trump under the bus, and Trump asked him directly, according to a what? Anonymous source. An unnamed anonymous source. I'm Brian Ross. The world will end at midnight! I don't even know what I'm doing. It's all the end of the world. It's all now. Here's here's the, the the crazy thing, and this is where we come in as the incredibly upbeat, lively, let's have a great time uh, podcast. Like I don't know who to believe. Here, I, I can tell you who I want to believe. Uh, I want to believe the people where that say that Flynn is just in trouble for lying to the FBI, mm-hmm. and that it's really not that big of a deal. And then I also want to I also want to believe the people who are. Uh, saying that Flynn has a good case for entrapment. Oh, really? Yes, because if the FBI – here's the, here's, here's the, uh, the conjecture, the, the backstory on this. The FBI – and this is all based on the dossier. So, you, so this is the weird part of it, and this is the part of politics that I kind of like, that it's just so just freaking bizarre. Mm-hmm. So it seems like the Clinton camp uh, picked up where the Never Trumpers left off, and they're right. like, yeah – Come on, let's do this dossier. Get us the dirt. Mm-hmm. They got some dirt that was made up, fabricated, whatever. Then they handed that to the FBI. And the FBI is like, ooh, we should investigate this. So then the FBI starts uh, wiretapping people. They're mm-hmm. listening to conversations, blah, blah, blah. So they knew that Flynn uh, had talked to Kislyak or whoever. You know, They knew right. about this because then they ask – then – they go to Flynn and they go, hey, so uh, what would you talk to uh, Kislyak about? So, But they already knew. And he's like, oh, I didn't really talk to him about this. And they go, really? Is that your final answer? He's like, yeah, it's my final answer. Then they come back like, OK, you're in trouble for lying to the FBI. <laughs> that's just dirty pool. That's exactly what it sounds like that's to just, me. That's just – first of all, this dossier ever being handed to the FBI is is almost a farce on its face, Right. I mean, just reading it, it read like a like some kind of international spy novel for starters. You know, okay, so they give it to the FBI. The FBI is like, oh, this is interesting. Let's take a look at this. The fact that they used it to get FISA warrants to monitor the staff of a current presidential candidate is still just it still just floors me. Floors me. It totally does. And for and for people like uh, like like Brian Ross mm-hmm. from from ABC. We'll get to that in a little bit. But like when when Trump is uh, the president elect, he's mm-hmm. the he's the, he's the candidate. He's going to be the guy who's who's doing it. When he asks uh, Flynn, "Hey, uh, reach out to the Russians for me. I'm going to want to talk to them about ISIS, or I'm going to want to talk to them about Syria." Right. That's uh, I, I don't think that's. Uh, an impeachable offense. No, that's actually <laughs> really very don't. that's actually very common with an incoming administration. You start building your relationships before you come into office. You can't promise anything. You can't, you know, you can't say, you know, the quid pro quo kind of stuff, but you can certainly start talking about the things that 
you're going to want to work on once you take the position, which is exactly what it sounded like he did. Yeah. So I, I guess so. Th- that's what I want to have happen. I mean, like I've I've got skin in the game. That's what I I don't want a government that's like doing shady blah blah blah. So right. I'll just tell you. I'll I'll be honest right now. Uh, that's what I want mm-hmm. to be the truth. Now we'll see what the truth actually is. Uh, however, I guess the the punishment for for what Flynn has done, if that's indeed the case, I think he owes him six hundred bucks. <laughs> like that's that's the fine. Wow. It's not it's not even a thousand dollars. And they're like and then you've got this uh, Brian Ross and it was just completely and this should terrify everybody when they handed uh, they got that clip of Joy Behar when they're like, like breaking news and they hand her the little blue card and she's like, he's going to testify against Trump. They're all going like to take such delight in mm-hmm. that. And then. First of all, it wasn't the case. It was a false story. The stock market was affected. I think uh, you've got a possible lawsuit. But man, oh man, if, if, if it were true, if all of this stuff were true, Russia, 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 I wouldn't take great delight in it. Like if they handed me a card uh, and they said, you know, we just found out, uh, you know, that ex-president Barack Obama is actually – a uh, an agent of the Venusian Galaxy Taekwondoroga killer mafia. I wouldn't be like, yeah, we got him. I'd be like, holy crap, who who's the Venusian uh, Taekwondoroga killer mafia? You know, I'd like we have problems. Oh my god! So, but we could probably frame Stephen Colbert's timeline with the the initial story from Brian, though. I mean, he must have. I told you. I told you it's going to go down. I told you. I had all the information out there. I mean, his rant was just crazy. He must have been like so freaking happy just to be crushed the next day. <laughs> yes, and and then uh, and then also, uh, what just dude from Meet the Press? Mm-hmm. Just like yeah, okay. It's connect the dots, people. It's connect the dots. We've only got a couple more dots left till it all comes tinky tang. And really, it was a big uh, nothing. Stuff. Nothing. Uh, well, uh, we will see, but that's what it's looking like to me. And that's uh, and then there's friends of mine and friends of ours who uh, are posting things on Instagram, and they're like, "Here's how you tell real news from fake news." This is the exact. So they got a, there's a picture of uh, of uh, um, MSNBC talking about this breaking news and here's what's going on and Flynn is going to testify against Trump and then the other side of the screen is uh, Fox News the five talking about hey what's on your Christmas wish list <laughs> it's like it's like what? and they're like it, it looks when you look at it, it's like whoa Fox is like trying to bury the story maybe they think that there's it's not a big of a story as MSNBC maybe right. that's what your screen grab captured well and and not just what your screen grab captured captured but if you take a look at last week between abc right and to grab that kind of anonymously sourced article and publish immediately as breaking right yep you have to have an agenda you have to oh my goodness yes great point and then and then as you're like looking later in the week did you see what the new york times did Oh, is this is, – are you talking about the thing where they're like uh, pick up the phone and call your senator? Yeah. The New York Times editorial board took over the New York Times Twitter profile all day 
one day this week to tweet out how to contact your senators and ask them to vote against the tax bill. Yes. And you now, want to tell us you're not biased? And this is this is great. This is wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the whole New York Times thing. Here's what happened, you guys. Uh, just to, I feel like we've got a bunch of new listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, welcome to everybody. But here's what happened. A few years ago, I started hosting the show on TV uh, called The Flip Side with Michael Loftus, blah, blah, blah. And you start learning. You don't start learning. You just kind of have a, a larger awareness. And I'm telling you right now, just keep your eye open. Just keep your eyes open. I'm not going to try to convince anybody that this or that or this. But the more I met Cheryl Atkinson mm-hmm. uh, from CBS News, and she gave me her book, and I read it, and I, I, I firmly, I have come to the belief that I am being steered in a particular direction as a citizen of the United States. Uh, the news, the mainstream media, I know it's going to sound like Sean Hannity. They are trying, they're definitely trying to steer us in a, uh, a direction. Mm-hmm. I don't like being steered. And no. that's what, that's what this podcast is about. That's what the TV shows about. That's what the website is, is partially about. I don't like being steered. So we have to call it, you have to call it out when you see it. Like, don't tell me out of thing when you start using your social media platform as a call to arms that's not an opinion uh, that's a call to arms like pick up your phone and call your senator yeah, but that's I, crazy i mean i've been participating in and doing online activism for a couple of years they did exactly what we did when the vote on the trans-pacific partnership and and trade authority was going on Their timeline looked just like the activist group I was working for when we were trying to affect legislation, but we were an activist group. Yes. You know, we weren't shy about it. (laughs) Yeah, you weren't weren't saying, hi, we're an unbiased news organization. No, no. We were like, this is terrible. Please call your congressman. But, I mean, to watch that, knowing what I've done. In managing yeah. activists and activist platforms and issues activism, I'm like, they just turned into Act Blue. Act Blue. Act, I've, never, Act, I've never even heard um, of Act Blue. Act Blue is like what Acorn, and then it was something else, and now it's Act Blue. They've morphed. Here's the here's the one that, and this isn't even on my list of things to discuss. You just it just popped into my head because of what you said. So here we go. What, have you seen this this thing? This is like this is like the worst radio ever. Did you see? <laughs> but um, President Obama, former President Obama, uh, started this thing. I think I, I, it's not the it, it's ACA. I forget what the initials are. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Uh, and he's just going around. Whenever Trump leaves, whenever President Trump leaves a country, a couple weeks later, Obama shows up yep. and meets with the, the leaders of these countries. Like yep. he's literally just like hopscop, hopscotching the globe, just following Donald Trump around, meeting with the leaders. What the heck is that? I've never heard of any president. Now, maybe they all do it. Maybe uh, I'm mm. just brand new to this. I find it deeply disturbing. Nope. George, George W. Bush or George W. Bush went home and started painting. Um, yeah. Bill Clinton started a foundation and did speeches, but he wasn't acting as, 
you know, an ambassador-ish of the U.S. Um, and I guess at one point during Clinton's administration, Jimmy Carter did ask for permission to meet with the head of state. Um, yeah. And it was granted, but he asked the sitting president, and they were from the same party. Um, I think this is pure undercutting. Oh, I think I, it's, I, I think it's ridiculous. I think he should be called out for it. <laughs> 100%. Especially, especially when he has a history of being caught on open mics, you know, talking to Russians like, hey, uh, I'll be I'll, I'll be uh, reelected in a little bit. Just give me some time. Then I'll be able to work with you. Right. So like he has a track record of saying, hey, just hang in there. Things are a little crazy right now, but we'll get things back to normal. That that really is what it feels like to me yeah. that he's he's going around to these uh, foreign leaders and going, listen, I know uh, I know Trump just came in here and was talking a bunch of stuff. But listen, he's going to be gone in four years. So uh, don't but, worry about it. Just hang tight. Just hang tight. Here's the other thing. When Trump goes on these foreign visits to Poland, to the Far East, etc., he does very well. And he gets stuff done, <laughs> which is which is makes what Obama's doing that much worse. I know, it's just it, I find it very disturbing. Well, uh, well, I you haven't... know the other the other thing that he wanted that he didn't get. He wanted Who, Obama? to be yeah. He wanted to be general director of the UN. Well, maybe, maybe I, I think. Uh... I don't know. You, you see crazy conspiracy theories about shadow governments and shadow governments. However, when when he's literally bebopping around the globe going, hey, 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 don't worry about it. That, that kind of sounds like a shadow, well, shadow government to me. Probably just telling him, don't worry about it. Michelle's going to run in 20. We'll be back. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we need to make some hay while the sun shines, and that is exactly mm – -hmm. that is exactly – I had a Peter Brady moment. What the uh, Republicans did – I did a vlog uh, about a month ago saying, Republicans, you got to get it done on taxes, yep. and they did. I, I have – listen, I didn't even – uh, attempt to read it. I don't know what's in there. I don't know what happened. Here's what I know. The government's going to get less money from people. Yeah, somebody's that's 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 a win. That that's is a fabulous. win. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love how people are so concerned about uh, the debt now. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard, <laughs> Welcome people aboard. who are worried about the debt. Mm -hmm. Grab a paddle. We've been rowing for a long time, right? So let's let's get in there and solve it. With here's my here's my first piece of advice for all my uh, fantastic uh, Democrat uh, listeners. Thanks for being concerned. Let's figure out a way to spend less money. How about that? Awesome. That that's that's the one that that's in, what cracks me up about all this. That never comes up. They're always like, "Oh, tax cuts are bad. Tax cuts are bad. We can't do this and we can't do that." Okay, so if you're worried about the debt and tax cuts are bad, you must do what? I'm going to lead you. Spend less money, just like every other mofo <laughs> in the nation. And Bob Spend less money. And Bob Cor Corker is a douche. Bob Corker, what a <laughs> ginormous disappointment that guy is. What what was his problem? Well, he, he what was wanted, his problem? He wanted to put an automatic tax increase trigger if the debt reached a certain point, then your taxes would go up so that they didn't have to spend less money. You should have heard Rand Paul's summary of this thing. I mean, it was spot on. 
Rand Paul. Hey, did we ever figure out what happened to that guy? Dude. Rand Paul? He had a ton of broken ribs. His neighbor, like, freaking attacked him. Well, I, it, he had six broken ribs. Mm-hmm. And they make it sound like here's the here. There's a couple things, and we we don't have the time. And I'm sorry for even bringing it up. It's kind of like a, a real like dick tease kind of a moment. <laughs> we, we I still don't feel like we got the straight story on Rand Paul. It, they make it sound like he he was out doing yard work, and then bang, and maybe that's what happened. This guy just tackled him and broke his ribs. Uh, I, I want to get the straight story out of that. Here's well, the other story that I want. <laughs> Uh, so I, I'm, I'll invite the listeners to do a little bit of research and and send it in. Like, how is there no video on the Las Vegas shooter? This is that yeah, one. Yeah, that's uh, listen, all creepy. I know, and they're really trying to uh, demonize uh, the conspiracy theorists and the people who are trying to figure it out, figure out what what really happened. However, there's a couple things that are just really, really hinky about that whole story. I've, we've all been to Vegas. I, I go to Vegas at least once, twice a year. I do stand up mm-hmm. at the MGM. Everything is videotaped. Oh, yeah. Everything. It's a casino. How do they not have video of this guy? Why aren't they releasing it? Wh- what is going on? And then here's the other thing, and, and I, I think this is true. I, I probably – I don't want to be like fake news Mike. However, they say the guy had a laptop in the room with him. However, the laptop uh, was missing its hard drive. So if you have a laptop without a hard drive, you got a paperweight. Like why would you carry that around? There's uh, – that one's hinky. That one is hinky, just- hinky, hinky. There's just the, the girlfriend was hanky. Um, there's the a, brother who's the pedophile, the dad yeah. who's the bank robber. There yeah. is a, a movie here, and I need more facts. I'm yeah. a, I'm, I'm a big time looky loo. Uh, however, we got off track. The text thing is great. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. And it's just like what I said in the video. I don't I don't care that it's not 100 percent of what we want. It's it's less money going into the government. If and if I, it can keep the economy uh, cranking right along and help out small businesses, good, good, good. If I understand correctly, the individual mandate for Obamacare is gone. We like that. Or will be. I guess will they have be. to do like what? One more step, but that'll be great. Yes. If they can get rid of the individual mandate. And uh, the estate tax that you hate. I do. I do. I do. The I death do. death tax. That's the worst. It's killing. It's killing uh, small farmers. That's the it, yep. that's the thing that like to me uh, is very like this is some that should be a very liberal emotional you know hey I'm a Democrat hear me roar moment like it's if you own uh, a bunch of land that's been in your family for years and all of a sudden the government goes hey that's worth seven million dollars you owe me uh, three point five million like today because your dad died. That's criminal. That's just criminal, criminal, criminal. Criminal, criminal. That money has already been taxed. Yeah, it's total double jeopardy. Uh, I don't know what. Oh, Corker. What a. What, uh, that's what I love. It's like now we know. Now we know. Get that dude out of there. Mm-hmm. Um. There's been a. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So much to talk about. This is great. There's like an energy. There's a boom, boom, boom. Uh, we've got a, we got a special guest coming up on the show later. That's the new thing we're doing. I'm very excited about. Um, and I want to, I want to spend like two minutes on this North Korean defector. If you haven't seen the clip, if you haven't seen the clip, you have to go watch it. The guy, he's in the army. 
in a Jeep. It's like out of a movie. He's driving down the road. The other army guys are chasing him. The Jeep goes into the grass. He hops out and he tries to run away. They shoot this guy. He got shot like five times. They chased him over the border. It's it's drama, drama, drama. Uh, the guy is now in a South Korean hospital. He's getting better. It's like miraculous. Shot five times. Mm-hmm. His body is infested with parasites, malnutrition, the whole nine. But he's going to live. He's going to make it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how crappy communism is. That's how crappy that people take these kind of risks. Like I think that every time Bernie Sanders starts talking about it's the end of America, it's the end of America, these tax cuts, you know, we got to go socialism. This is what you get in socialism. Socialism, they, they're like, hey, you might want to start eating rabbits. Uh, communism, they're like, you're infested with parasites. We're going to shoot you five times. And you're uh-huh. like, I don't care. I got to get out. I got to get out. Well, just the whole you can't leave or we'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> we're, not even men- we're not even mentioning that. You know, don't try to leave, or we'll kill you. I mean, you would think that where you choose to reside is at least somewhat, you know, voluntary. If if you do the appropriate things to get out of where you are, but there is no appropriate process to emigrate somewhere from North Korea. You can't. I tell you, I, I'm, doing, I'm doing a thing in my stand-up now because I'm living on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the Long Island audiences appreciate this. I'm like, is there no way to get off this island without paying somebody money? Like I have not found a way <laughs> to leave my home in Long Island without paying somebody money. Like every time you want to get to the mainland, you want to go to Manhattan, you want mm-hmm. to go to Pennsylvania or Jersey, you owe somebody. That seems un. I think there's like the 52nd Street Bridge is the only one. So uh, my joke oh, is I need to make one? friends with – I think I think I found one. <laughs> oh, good. I'm like I've never lived somewhere where you have to pay to leave and then you have to pay to come home. <laughs> oh. So my joke is uh, – my joke is this. I go I need to make friends with somebody who's got a boat so I can <laughs> have a get out of jail free card. And then prefer- I go, go. preferably, preferably uh, I'd like it to be a uh, – a uh, hot chick who is allergic to clothes and needs my dick to live. <laughs> Michael! <laughs> it's hilarious! Oh. Allergic to clothes and needs my dick to live. Mm. That, it's funny, wholesome comedy. You guys, we're going to be right back. We got a special guest on the show today. And then we're going to talk a little bit of pop culture and what's going on. Stick around. We've got Joe DeVito here. You're probably asking yourself, that name seems familiar. I think I've seen that guy on TV. I think he's made me laugh. Guess what? You're right. It's that Joe DeVito. Uh, Joe, first of all, say hello to the wonderful listeners at home. Hello. Hello. And uh, yeah, you you may be familiar with my work if you enjoy watching TV between the hours of 3 and 4 a.m. You know what? That's uh, Red Eye. You were were on Red Eye a lot. (laughs) Did a lot, but that's good. That's fantastic. That's how you. That's how you yeah. get the name out there. Yeah, you can. You can pretty much be exposed to me on media. Anything that's not prime time. That's. I try to. I try to stay away from that as well. It's so predictable. <laughs> yeah, that's you can when, get me. That's what everybody expects it. <laughs> yeah. So you were how many? How many episodes of Red Eye do you think you were on? 
Oh, geez. I did that show, I think, starting in their second year. I'd say, I'd say at least 150. Get out of town. Really? Yeah, you know, it's hard to keep track. I'd say between that and the Kennedy show, it's, it's definitely over 150. Wow. Wow. I have not done the Kennedy show yet. I recently did uh, the Tucker Carlson program. Oh, how was that? Well, you know what? I did t- I did Tucker Carlson when Tucker was hosting, and I, I mm-hmm. don't think I was his cup of tea. I, I think I'm a little bit okay. too every man for his sensibility. He goes – he's got that Mark Stein guy on there who's a little bit – you know, Mark Stein has the accent, and he's a little bit more – it's just a classier kind of a guy. I'm not yeah, classy. Yeah. I'm not classy enough. So uh, <laughs> Brian Kilmeade was hosting the other day, and he had me on. That was a lot of fun. Uh, oh, cool. And then I did Varney. I did uh, – which is Varney was great. Varney and Company on Fox Business. That dude huh. is all right. That dude is all right. However, I'm not close to numbers that you were putting up. Yeah, well, you know, I started doing Red Eyes when Greg Gutfeld was hosting it. When you know when they when they first began, and yeah, they were trying to they really trying to figure out what the program was. What was nice was that uh, they all did it. No, no one was monitoring them. It's almost like the the, the higher ups didn't bother them because they, they assumed no one was watching the program. So they got to kind of figure out what their groove was. And I loved it. I, I owe them a, a lot of gratitude because I sort of learned how to be on TV from them and how to do panel and all that stuff that people forget that that's, that's a whole other skill set. And they did have me host red eye twice. And it, it gave me grudging respect for local news anchormen who have someone talking into their ear while they're saying something different. I found that very difficult. That is hilarious because I've been down that that similar road. It's easy to make Mm. fun of like that poor news anchor who's got – then you don't realize he's got a person in his ear warning him that the 30-second thing is coming up and then you got to throw it to Janine who's down in Fort Lauderdale. Meanwhile, it'll be interesting. That is a total skill set. Yeah, and you have to read off the teleprompter and still try and say something halfway entertaining. What I learned was that I can do one thing at a time. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's very limited that you add a second thing i start sweating so yeah so that that was um but that was pretty cool that they they even gave me the opportunity and i actually filled in um for tom shalou on his new radio show and that was a lot of fun because that's that's three hours i don't have to worry about looking at the, the wrong camera so I, I i enjoy that a lot yeah i want to i want to talk about that really quickly with uh with with red eye did you like? Were you out doing stand up in a club and someone saw you, or did you? Were you? How did you get? I just like what was the the origin story? How'd you meet Greg Gutfeld? Blah blah blah, that kind of thing. Sure. Well, what they did was they put out a, a request to different managers to have stand up comedians come in, and in typical stand up fashion, almost all of them would show up completely unprepared. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's really pathetic the way, and, and for me being a nerd and a former journalist and all that, when so, uh, someone said, here are the topics we're going to discuss, I would over-prepare because I didn't want to look stupid. And it's, it's, they, a lot of guys would come in and think, well, I'll just riff and it would expose them for being the kind of uninformed loudmouth that they were. So yeah. what happened was they, the rotation of comics for the show got smaller and smaller and What's kind of cool about that is when it happens, you have the audience wants to see the regulars. Yeah. And, and one of the things I liked about me was that, I, you know, Greg, Greg and I shared a, a very – that's when I realized, oh, I'm a libertarian. That's what 
these con- these conclusions I've arrived at, that's what this equals. So it was fun to be on that show and come in and uh, same as I am on the other shows where I can express my opinion and hopefully say something that is an intelligent way of phrasing it and still get some laughs. So it's something that I don't really get to do in the act too much, which is why I enjoy it. That's hilarious. So you just went on there as a, as a comedian expressing your opinion and then realized through doing that, wow, I have this political stance. Is that, is, is that? Yeah, that's because I always had things where, you know, when I was younger, I was a, a liberal, I guess you'd say liberal with a small L, you know? Sure. And I started to realize, well, these people seem like pains in the ass too, because the conservatives always had the reputation as the killjoys, as the, yes. uh, you know, the, the, the bad guys from Animal House, the, the Doug Niedermeyer and all that. But then as I started to realize that, uh, you know, these people who call themselves liberal are not particularly open-minded and they're, they're even more annoying. So to me it was, I didn't want to listen to any lefty commie uh, crap and I didn't, go for super religious uptight stuff. So as I pieced together that I had no problem with gay people getting married, I, I have no problem with gay people at all. And I also like a strong national defense, but I believe the First Amendment. So all these little pieces started to come together. And then once once I saw what that puzzle, you know, the, the picture revealed itself when I had enough puzzle pieces. Yeah, that that is a very similar uh, experience to me. And like, and it's yeah. weird. It's like people always want to put you in a corner. That's the first thing they want to do is go, oh, uh, he's the conservative comic. And it's like, no, I'm the comic uh, who happens to be – and I, I don't even like conservative. And I, I don't like yeah. libertarian. Like I don't – and they're mm. always so eager to hit the buzzer to like – because then they, they – they, I feel they think that they, they know you. OK, he's that, so I can disregard him now. It, it bums me out. Oh, yeah. I just feel like – I'm I'm a I'm a comedian first and I'm political second. Well, here's a, a sad thing that I found is that uh, most people don't enjoy having thoughts. Say what? They don't like think they don't enjoy having thoughts. <laughs> they don't like thinking. So if you can say to them, that's why stereotypes are so popular because it saves people the trouble of of firing anything between <laughs> the synapses in their brain. It's you just easy to say, oh, that guy is this. No, no, but it's true, it's isn't it? That most dude, people. Hilarious. That's hilarious. It saves people. <laughs> it's a, stereotypes are the ultimate time saver. That's hilarious. It's true. It's, it's, you just get to put your pegs in whichever hole you're most comfortable with. And, and um, I've noticed that, you know, where I noticed that is when there's people who meet me and when they hear my last name is DeVito, they're compelled to ask if I'm related to Danny DeVito. They cannot. They cannot stop themselves from asking that. And whenever someone says that, I realize, oh, this is a person who's not good at thinking because wow. they're they're not able to understand that people can have the same last name. It's not a mind-blowing concept. But, yeah. yeah, and I find that – I'm sure you hear this if, if you're a libertarian. People are like, oh, what, what do you have against roads? People have this obsession that libertarians are against roads for some reason. <laughs> Why do you, why do you hate roads? That's that's the other one. Like whenever uh, yeah. someone who wants less government is on Chris Matthews, Chris Matthews is like, so you hate the EPA? It's like, no, I'm I'm okay with like uh, you know some environmental policies. Like yeah. I don't I'm not I'm not all, all all for litter, but yeah, that's too funny. That, that hey, so why do you hate roads? Da 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 da. I tell them uh, I don't like roads because wherever this annoying person 
came from, they use a road to get to me to <laughs> irritate me. So I would That's like that specific road to be shut down. All right, you snuck something into the conversation that you you come from the the world of journalism. When did you start? When did you make the transition from uh, journalist to to stand up comedy? How did that How did that come about? Well, I was kind of I was doing two things. I when I left college, I was very directionless, but I knew that I liked writing and I had some skill for it. Um, so I started. I ended up writing for small ad agencies and marketing and and, and public relations and doing a little bit of journalism on the side and. It was one of those things where after a couple of years, I sort of developed a specialty in direct mail writing, direct mail marketing pieces and, and advertising. So I was doing that and I was working for Book of the Month Club in Manhattan. And it's so funny because when I tell people I wrote direct mail for Book of the Month Club, that's like saying I was a milkman because none of that exists anymore. <laughs> yeah. I was, he worked for Amalgamated Buggy Whips. department. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I was, you know, I was writing funny stuff on the side just to keep my brain entertained. And one day after work, just hanging out with the coworkers, telling stories about my family. And they said, you got to try stand up. And I was very, uh, very afraid. And a coworker signed me up for a class and she even she took the class with me to make sure I would go and I wouldn't chicken out. Wow. So was, and was the coworker was, uh, secretly wanting to be a stand up as well? No, she just was a funny person. I mean, she did the graduation show, and then she was like, "Yeah, that that's it for me." And it was one of these things where it was two. It was through um, it was either Learning Annex or Seminar Center. So it was two classes, and then your graduation show. So pretty much all they taught me was to not uh, soil myself when I was on stage. After. Step one: but don't I, crap yourself. Yes, which is always good advice. And I, I survived it, and I thought, oh, this was interesting because I I noticed how. I could write things that if you read them, you'd crack up, but it, it was just different when you go on stage and say it. And I thought, all right, I would like to figure this out. And then about two years in, I thought, uh, oh, I think I want to be a stand-up comic. And I was, you know, I was in my 30s. I was a grown man. Yeah. And uh, I, I think around the two-year mark, I was considering, well, by the end of this year, I'm going to make a decision. And then I got laid off from my job and thought, okay. Here we go. So I, I freelanced for a while and then um, then I started to work. And I think it was 2006 I did Montreal and the Comedy Central show. And then wow. 2007 I did Last Comic Standing. And then that was semifinals of Last Comic Standing was enough exposure so that I could go full time. And now Book of the Month Club doesn't even exist anymore. So <laughs> there's, there's yeah. really no turning back because my, my industry doesn't exist. I got to tell you, I, I I had no idea you were on uh, Last Comic Standing. What was that? What was that experience like? Were you were you in the house and everything? No, I made um, I did it the year I think it was season five in two thousand seven, okay. and that was the year they went to the English speaking countries. So out of the thousands of people they saw in the U.S., Canada, England, and Australia. I made the top 32. Wow. Which was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I was about, I guess, five or six years in at the time. And Dude, that is courage, man. That is courage. Uh, fun to know fact. My managers at the time, when Last Comic Standing started season uh -huh. one, they were producers on it. And uh, oh. I had just moved out to LA, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, should I do that? Should I do that? And they looked at me and they were like, no. 
don't do it because it's all they're like it's a reality show it's casting and they're like if you were uh x y and z if you were like the the you know this is not what they said this is a, a bad example yeah. but if you were like the the homophobic uh white power comic you would probably <laughs> do well because you'd be the opinionated yeah. villain if like but like I, I they they said don't do it and then uh i was watching because I'm a comedian, I would see the mm. auditions, you know, those first couple weeks where this like and I, I see yeah. all these guys were hilariously funny, these crazy good comics. And they weren't even getting the call back. And I'm like, wow, yeah. I made a really good call. <laughs> Not doing that. And literally it was just crazy. Yeah. I didn't have the balls to do it. God bless you for well, even participating. It, it took them a couple of seasons to figure it out because. I think what happened in the early ones was was very much focused on the house. That they that, that everything leading up to that was to just get comics in a house and see what happened. So it really wasn't a finding the best comedian show. Um, oh, that would happen. Yeah, because here's what people don't realize with reality shows, especially the competitions, that you can laugh at bad dancing, you can laugh at bad singing, you can laugh at any other thing that's bad except for bad comedy. You don't laugh at it. No. So I think what happened was the year after I did it, they decided to load up on the freak shows. And then that's what they do. They encourage these nut jobs to come out. And there's no club where you go to where there's a man performing in a giant banana costume. It's just, it's just bringing in (laughs) nut jobs. And what happened was they ended up with a weaker batch. So I think they corrected that toward the end. I think that the last season or two, really loaded with talented comics. And I think that was good. But the problem is now, you know, comedians are doing well on America's Got Talent, which is great, but you're up against people shooting flaming arrows and dogs jumping around. And yeah, it's very hard for someone who stands and talks and says funny things to compete with that. Here, here's my comedic comedic uh, philosophy. I, I hate competitions. I absolutely despise mm. them. When I started doing stand up, like like most people, well, granted I'm I'm in Columbus, Ohio at the time, is an open mic competition, and it was uh, always whoever got the most applause was the winner, and yeah. blah blah blah. And then you're always like, oh, that guy brought a bunch of people, and yada yada. Mm-hmm. So uh, the big there was a big turning point for me uh, when I went up to Cleveland and I performed at this club called It's Comedy, uh, and I had won a bunch of competitions, but I desperately wanted to go. And win one where nobody knew who I was. Like I had, yeah. and uh, and it was great. And then I thought, well, I'm gonna put competitions behind me because it is, man. And and I'm sorry if this is uh, boring for people who listen, but like you cannot. It's it's like comparing classical music with uh, alternative. You, you, there's like yeah. some people like jazz and some people, you know, like hip hop. It's, you can't say that one is better. You can just say they're different. And I just, ooh, competitions are horrible. Just horrible. Yeah. But you got the I press think, out of it. That's the important thing. Like that's that's something you got yeah. out of that I'll never get. Well, you know, I even talked to, to newer comics who were doing competitions at uh they're doing competitions at the club level they're very small festivals and this and that and they ask me is is it good to do these contests and i told them yeah as long as you don't worry about winning or not because the important thing is are you going to go up and you're going to show the club that you can handle yourself on stage and you've got potential and that you're you're not just funny, but you're someone they would want around. 
that's what the benefit is because the other stuff, it's all these things are out of your control. You can't, you don't know who knows who and all that stuff. And I even look at the season, you know, again, to go to last time standing that I did, uh, the winner was John Reap, who I, I don't know if he really got too much of a bump out of winning the show. And the fourth place finisher was Amy Schumer, you know, who has gone on for an historic run. So it, it, it's whatever level it is, it's all what you make out of it. And, and I know that's tough because when you do it, it's easy to get. Pissed. Maybe that's maybe that's the benefit for new comics. It's their first introduction to the uh, unfair heartbreak of the comedy business. Here's, I had this conversation with uh, John Heffron. Uh, he won like season. Oh yeah, he won season three or something. Yeah, and he's a, he's been a friend of mine. Uh, he's originally mm. from Michigan. I'm from Ohio, and I whenever I'd play up in Detroit, we'd hang out. Whatever. He's a really yeah. good dude, and he knew ex- he knew ex- exactly what he was doing in that competition. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna be the aw shucks, I can't believe it, uh, farm boy who's like, I'm in, a, and, and it totally worked, and it was great, and he's a funny dude, uh, and I'm happy that he won. In speaking to him after he won, we both had the same realization. You always want – there's always one more rung on the ladder. You know, yeah. If you're like, oh, I just want to win an amateur night, and then it's like, oh, I just want to make money as a performer. Oh, I just want to be the feature act. Oh, I just want to be the headliner. Oh, I just want TV. Oh, I just want movies. Oh, I just want my own studio. Oh, I just – there's always another rung. So don't, yeah. get, uh, don't get hung up on the rung you're on. Well, that's a T-shirt. <laughs> well, I even feel it on a night-to-night basis where not, – not to get too philosophical about it, but when, when people try to advance the idea that a, a comedians were all tortured geniuses, I think we're flattering ourselves there. I mean it does happen, but I do think that if you believe everything in the world is fine the way it is, you feel there's no compulsion to get on stage and talk to people. Yeah. Um, but I know for myself that, you know, I've been doing this, it's going to be 17 years this summer that you can't have that be the thing that fills you up because that part of you, that void will never get filled by the, the adulation of strangers with a two drink minimum. And I, I even feel it sometimes where I'll have a, a really good set at a club where you feel like, well, everything went according to plan and everybody's, ah, they want to talk to you. They want to. And I even feel it dissipating. By the time I get to my car, I'm already, you know, back in my <laughs> usual true. hole. You know, and, and it's, it's the crazy true. thing is the the good feelings dissipate so quickly, but the stink of a bad set. Well, there's ones I remember from years ago where I still my fist clench when I think about them. There are specific. Uh, it's like I'm I'm talking to a clone. There are moments that were so <laughs> bad, it's like they just happened. It's like they yeah. just happened. I can close my eyes and I can relive every horrible slow motion moment. And I could l- literally like uh, a standing ovation a couple months ago. Yeah, whatever. That's what I wanted. I mean, like it's like that's how it's supposed <laughs> to go. But like, oh, so here we are dwelling on the horrible stuff. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I yeah, it's about a very bad. Really quickly, I don't want to forget. Like mm-hmm. now, it seems like you're you're almost, and I don't know if this is what, where you want to be or if it's part of a master plan or whatever. I know you're you're doing the uh, the Tom Shalou. Tom Shalou became the host of Red Eye, so Shalou is doing a radio show, and you're you're a big uh, piece of that. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, well, because you know, I made a decision earlier this year that I was going to do every media opportunity that was offered to me and every 
podcast that I could do. And I went on Tom's show and the producer said, oh, we love you. We'd love to have you back. When can you come back? And I said, I can come in every week. And they said, yeah, sure. So for me, it makes sense because I'll, I'll come in and, you know, I do the show once a week from five to six. They always, he has his comedians in the last hour when they do the lighter stories. And, yeah. and, you know, it's from five to six. And then I just go do whatever else it is I have to do in New York City. So uh, it works out great. It, the day moves around a little bit. So if people go to my schedule on my webpage, they can see when it's on. But it's a lot of fun. And Tom, Tom is a super cool dude. And uh, it's good. It's just good to have that place where, you know, the, the fans of his show are very dedicated. And yeah. it, it's nice. It's, it's, a good, it's a good experience. And, and you get to talk about some real stuff, which I enjoy. Yeah, that's always like the catch, you know, and I always and, and kudos to you and a hat, a tip of the cap that because it like I found like and I'm, I'm seriously I'm not trying to name drop, but like I kind of I did jokes when I was on Tucker Carlson and you could almost yeah. feel him being like, dude, don't be the joke guy. <laughs> and like I, it was a yeah. roll of the dice. It was a roll of the dice. I'm like, ooh, I'm up on current events and I can make it all funny. And I think for the comedians that that listen to yeah. to this show, it is a it's a weird. You have no idea how weird it is to be on a news channel doing, and they introduce you as the comedian. That's <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah. That was they told me that was a problem they had on Red Eye at the beginning was that the comedians would come on and want to be serious. And the serious Fox people come on and want to act goofy. And they told them, no, do what you do. But yeah, I noticed that, that the best moments on Red Eye were the interaction between guests. So I'll come up with some lines, but the most important thing is figure out what is it, what's your take? What's your point of view? And then worry about the joke after. And what's interesting about that is I started to do that for those shows and I realized, you know, I could use a whole lot more of my app. That's that's what makes your app go to the next level. Uh, it's it's funny and like, but it's also you know I, I write I write for television too and like some of the best hmm. the best shows. If you look back at quote unquote the best shows in sitcom, you almost know what the character is going to say before they say it. They have such a strong yeah. point of view, and just picking one out of the hat, uh, Meathead would say something on All in the Family. Then the camera just goes to Archie. And you can just tell, and the audience is already laughing. And I think it holds true yeah. uh, for stand-up as well. If you're fortunate enough to have a strong point of view like that, it's just going to uh, serve you well. Dude, uh, this is awesome. I want to tell people about uh, JoeDeVitoComedy.com. That's where they can keep track of uh, no, what's going it's, it's JoeDeVito.com is the website, but on social media, it's Joe, at JoeDeVitoComedy. There you go. See, you saved the day. Yeah. That's like a season <laughs> pro you did that. You go to joedevito.com. That's where you can uh, keep up with what's going on. And then Joe DeVito Comedy, that's your Instagram, and that's your Twitter. And my and, Twitter. And yeah. yeah. And they can see you doing the uh, the Turkish uh, push-up thing. <laughs> the Turkish get-up, yes. It's the Turkish get-up. You have to see this, you guys. Go <laughs> search search YouTube, search Facebook for uh, Joe DeVito Turkish Get up. It's this same, this insane exercise that looks like in, like it works. You're an incredibly uh, uh, fit dude. I, I don't. I'm, I'm terrified <laughs> to even try it. So, uh, hey. Yeah, it's a. You mess up, you need some dental work. So it keeps you on your toes. <laughs> so you've got gigs this weekend. You're going to be at the Stress yeah. Factory. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be at the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, New Jersey, uh, Thursday through Sunday. 
And uh, that's a that's a very fun room, and I'm looking forward to it. I have never played it. I'm incredibly jealous. We always we always run into each other at uh, at Governors. Yes, and I'm actually going to be at Governors for New Year's Eve. Governors in Levittown. What? The accidental yeah. plug. The accidental yeah. plug. Joe, thank you so much. Uh, man, nothing but the best. Uh, tell Shalou I said, hey, uh, congratulations on all your success. Thanks for doing this little show, and we will stay in touch, man. Uh, I will talk right to you. Right on, thanks. Yeah. Good talking to you, Joe. I'll see you next time. And I know it's bad because my female friends have told me men lie about their height. How do you pull that off? The whole point is to meet the person. How do you show up eight inches shorter than you said you were? You, you just keep moving around for the whole day so she, she can't get a read on you? And I say this as a short guy. I'm not trying to fool anyone. I don't, I don't put up pictures of me surrounded by chihuahuas. Throw off the depth perception. Short. You need something off the shelf? Can't help you. Something rolls under the couch, you have my number. <laughs> and it goes both ways, okay? Because men lie about their height, women will lie about their size, and they're very crafty with the terminology they use. I know to read, to say voluptuous. I don't like the sound of that. Rubenesque. No one's used that word in 200 years. What? Cur uh, you're not fooling with curvy again. I love curvy women. Here's the problem. Those curves, they're supposed to come back in at some point, okay? This, we, we want curvy like an hourglass, not like a wall clock. That's a ripoff. That's, that's like me as a short guy saying I'm down to earth. Well, technically, I'm closer to the face of the planet. Fantastic. I, I, I'm digging the new uh, format. It, it, there, there's a zip. There's a, there's a you gotta go. I love the energy. Like it, uh, if you've ever been uh, in acting or whatever, you, you always want some kind of uh, motivation for your character. We have motivation, Gypsy. We have we, motivation. It's little 20-minute hunks. I love it. We have motivation in 20-minute hunks. Well, sometimes here's the deal. Here's the I'm trap. So, I'm sorry. I know that's great. Motivation in 20 minute hunks. It's the other the story 23 hours, 23 hours and 40 minutes are just. Bleh. Well, here's here's the great thing. Like as as we experiment, and that's mm -hmm. what I've never been shy. Here's the things I've I've never been shy about. I'm a freak. So in in a year, don't go, what? Loftus is a freak. No, he would talk about it all the time on his podcast. Uh, <laughs> and, and this whole thing is a giant experiment that we're figuring it out as we go. And we've recently and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll we'll stick with it. We've changed the format a little bit. And I, uh, it's effective, effective. Like last week, we did just did like a greatest hit show. That was mm -hmm. fun and funny. However, uh, this is something to take note of. I was talking to uh, Andrew Apple yesterday, mm -hmm. who's our who's our facts and figures, you know, numbers guy. And here's how we're doing. Da, 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 da. This show, this little uh, Loftus Party podcast had its best month ever. Well, yay. 
last month. Yes. Now, uh, to compare like a moron, I don't have the numbers in front of me. The second week of this show, uh, we were on iTunes new and noteworthy uh, column. They're like, oh, here's a new podcast you think you might like. It was explosive. It was very big. Uh And a lot of people – and people didn't know. They're like, oh, it's going to be – this guy is a comedian. They're going to be telling jokes about politics. I think everyone assumed that it was going to be – like Donald Trump is the devil, Republicans are Nazis, uh, and it wasn't that, and they quickly turned away. <laughs> right. but however, there were some big numbers there. Now, and I'm, it, it sounds hokey, it sounds corny, people are sharing, people are talking, wonderful things are bubbling up, and now it's we're growing. We've had a better month. We had a better month last month than we did when iTunes was like, go check them out, go check them out. So that – that makes me happy, and that gives me um, a lot of pep in my step and a spring in my butt cheeks. It makes <laughs> it oh gets me out of bed. If we ever get through a show without butt stuff, somebody tell us. <laughs> um, I don't think we can. <laughs> I don't think we can get through a show without something about um, butt cheeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's the other thing I want to bring up: side boob. The side boob I is a, terrible. What? Seriously. I am a huge fan. No, women go to great lengths to get the side boob taken care of because that just means your bra doesn't fit right. Or it means you have incredibly attractive breasts and people can see the side of them. Like some – yeah, like listen, I've seen some uh, some roly-poly-olies out there. Right. And you've got you know side gut. Oh, you know, you get those you get those multiple rolls and you're like, is that a boob? No, that's that's his gut. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big fan of, of side boob. It's okay. got to be the correct in, in the correct circumstances. OK, so <laughs> so there you go. And I heard the disdain in your voice. I heard it's it. not I even heard. disdain. It's just like, wow, go to great lengths to avoid that happening. And yeah. Oh, uh, there, uh, there's a picture, whatever the, the yeah, oh my gosh, I, this, we're so far off the track. I know. The, I've seen the, uh, girls now are getting a lot of tattoos on their ribs. Uh, I think, Ouch. It, oh, uh, you know, a lot of times it's an arrow or it's a piece of uh, like a quote or scripture. Uh, what I think it's, I think it's smoking hot. I saw a picture. I was, there's this tattoo, uh, person that follows us on uh on twitter and they posted a photograph and i'm like that's just smoking hot it was like a field of stars that went like up the rib cage and like side boob just sexy as all get out okay the only reason i said ouch is because from people who've gotten a number of tattoos they tell me anytime you're going over bones it's really painful so just ouch yeah. yeah. And this is the time of year. And I apologize to the listeners who have uh, encouraged me to get the tattoo. It's the time of year. I'm back in that zone. I'm thinking tattoo again. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just terrified that I'll get addicted. It, that's really what it is. That like one tattoo will be great. And if one is good, then three is better. And then all of a sudden I'm going to have like a Mike Tyson thing on my forehead. Yeah, no, <laughs> dude, don't be the dude that gets a skeleton tattooed on his face and then walks away from a work program at jail. You're really easy I to saw find. That. 
You're really easy to find. We were cracking up at work. Yeah. Like, how does this, how do, when you get that tattoo, how do you expect to find a job? When do you, when do you go into the interview with a skull, literally tattoo on your face going, I just feel like I could be a, a, a big part of the Chase Bank family. And <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I'd really fit in here at Human Resources. Yeah. And then that guy that's all over, was all over the freaking magazines a couple days ago or a couple weeks ago. I can't get a job because of my, my voluminous neck tattoos. No, you probably uh. can't. <laughs> Yeah, you, you can't. Why are That's you why surprised? You don't do it. You don't do it. You don't do it. No. Okay, some uh, some other news uh, going on in the world of entertainment. Hopefully you saw uh, I was on uh, Tucker Carlson. It was hosted by Brian Kilmeade. That was a, a blast. It was not the longest of segments. Uh, I guess it was normal. It, I, I was ready for a whole lot more. I had a blast. I really like that Brian Kilmeade guy. He's, he seems uh, very he's a, nice. He's a good dude. Mm-hmm. I want to stay in touch with him. Uh, it was fun being on the show. And then, and this is what happens, man. People find out, and then all of a sudden I get uh, a producer from Varney and Company that's on Fox Business, and they wanted to have me on. Uh, and here's the thing, and I've, I've reflected because uh, Stuart Varney, immigrant to this country, he's from England, he's asking me on the air, he's like, so you voted for Trump, has that affected your business? I, I guess I should do it to Stuart Varney. Michael, has it affected your business? Has it affected you financially, your business? And I'm watching him and I go, I go, no, I don't think so. I've, I've been in comedy for such a long time. I've worked in all these clubs. I've worked in television. I think people know that I'm a rational person. I'm not a Nazi. And I think it's going to be okay. And then St- Stuart Varney, and the rest of the crew are like, okay, okay. Well, I think it's going to – like they know something I don't know. Right. Like I'm this bright-eyed idiot. No, I think it's going to be fine. Man, if the hammer – I don't want the hammer to fall. I really – I have faith in my – the people that I work with. We, we don't – we're not on the same political page. But I have to think it's going to be okay. Right. I don't want there to just be some huge, no, you'll never work again. That would be – that would be a horrible – I, here's what I want to be. I want to be the poster child for the 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 guy who's relatively cool and kind of fun to hang out with, but uh, you disagree with him politically. I don't want to be the poster child for yeeg. You better not tell anybody how you voted, or it's over. Right. Well, and both of those shows kind of covered that topic, and I'm like, gee. What are you doing? Giving people ideas? Why don't you just highlight this fun <laughs> and funny guy who happened to say he voted for Trump in a fun and funny way and laugh with him like it shouldn't be a big deal? Yes. Wouldn't however, that be nice? Wouldn't that be know, nice? However, if you take a step back from it, and I've literally, uh, Gypsy, I've had these thoughts. Like you need conflict. There has to be conflict. So I can see why they would steer the conversation in that direction. That's an interesting thing. Then there's there's stakes. Oh, here's this comedian who admits he voted for Trump. What's going to happen? Is the hammer going to fall? You know, it's like dun, dun, dun. But if, if I'm just on there telling jokes about Hillary Clinton or whatever, that's kind of boring. So I can see why they uh, steered it in that direction. However, that made me think 
that it should be just here's a funny guy who happens to think differently. I agree with you 110%. I think if we could live in that world, life would be a lot more fun. <laughs> we can. We can well, live in that world. We do live in that world. We live in that world. If the rest of the world could catch up with us, that would be amazing. <laughs> uh, we are just in sync today. Right. We are completely in sync. It's wonderful because that's exactly what we're doing. Like sometimes the, the, the totality of it is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Like we are no BS. We're doing it. I'm looking at our website right now. I'm look, I'm looking at, uh, the Loftus party website. You've got, uh, a wonderful review of, uh, the Punisher. You've got a, a, a little blog that I wrote. That's a review of star Wars battlefront. Uh, you've got something about uh, the Tennessee Vols and college football. There's – there, it's just so much wonderful. It's not all politics, politics, politics. It's cool stuff. It's stuff that's working. We're doing it. Like when other people are sitting around stomping their feet, gnashing their teeth, me, 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 it's so horrible. They just sit there like douchey bumps on a log. I am so happy and so proud that we're doing this. It's awesome. We're, we're creating content. We're sharing content. There's new videos every week. There's the podcast. There's it's the whole thing. I'm so excited. We are the happy warriors. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of stuff that needs to ha actually a lot of stuff that needs to stop happening, like the, the estate tax. And while we're on that path, we're going to have a good time doing it. Precisely. And we're going to talk uh, about uh, uh, sex and we're going to talk about video games. We're going to talk about movies while we're doing it. Mm -hmm. Like you got to have a life first. Yep. You got to have a life first and then be political. Now, some people, granted, they're going to be political first and that's their life. And that's wonderful. I celebrate you and the choices that you've made. <laughs> However, However. <laughs> I want to have a good time. That's the whole the whole reason I want less government is so I can have uh, some without the man bringing me down. It's awesome. It's yep. awesome. And I'm thrilled. The, the, the podcast is, is getting bigger and bigger. Uh, the, the YouTube. Oh my gosh. That's the, that really helps when you're on the, the Fox business and, and on the Tucker Carlson show, that was a, a wonderful little, uh, boon. Cause a lot of people, uh, Found a you. lot of people found it. It also helps so, when you have the Loftus Party Shiren. Good yes. job, son. Good job. That yep. was fun. and like I don't know seriously, Gypsy. I don't. I don't know what my. <laughs> I don't know what. I don't think I have an official title, but like you look at it, it's like editor in chief of the LoftusParty.com. I'm no. like, yeah, sure, whatever. Go for no, it. That's me. You're the founder. <laughs> I'm the founder. I'm the I Ray Kroc. Been, I should have been on that Shiron. <laughs> There you go. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. You okay. took my job, you bastard. I took your job. You can have okay, it. Okay, so no. <laughs> I mean, no. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep uh, submitting. And I still want uh, Watch's Girl to review uh, the shiny hiney. I just think that's too funny. I mentioned it weeks ago. Nothing has happened. I'm not gonna let that go. Um, in, in some more news other than uh, it's just been a big Loftus party love fest here. And I don't care about that. I think that's awesome. And, uh, Hey, if you guys make something, I'll help you celebrate it. 
<laughs> right? It's like I uh, we have decorated a room and I want some compliments. Um, <laughs> I finally saw I, I saw Thor, and it's it was a happy sad day for me watching this movie. First of all, fantastic, mm-hmm. just fantastic, and well, oh my gosh, uh, Kate Blanchett. I don't know if she could have been sexier. I really don't know. I, I guess I still have a soft spot in my heart for goth chicks, but she was like the ultimate goth sex villain woman. I thought she was awesome. Yep. The use of the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin was brilliant. Oh, was, it was absolutely awesome. brilliant. Uh, it would, there was the setup where they're like, okay, here's this song and here's what happens when this song plays. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, so there's the expectation. Then in the third act of the movie, they bring it again in a set piece that is just worth the price of admission. Yes, it was. I would pay – I'm not kidding. I would pay $15, $20 just to see that again. Yep. Like boom. It was fantastic. And the Valkyrie girl was outstanding. Mm -hmm. Now here's my criticism. Here it comes. Too much comedy. It was, it was, yes, it was so funny and the comedy worked so well. If they do another one and I imagine they will, it, they'll go past it. And there's, and then once you go past it, there's no going back. Once you start, uh, you know, Thor is just a joke machine and it's all ba 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 da ba da ba da ba. You can't go back to being serious. So Marvel comics and then, Granted, they've been brilliant in mm-hmm. the way they've been laying these out, and it's just absolute brilliance. Uh, I uh, I'm worried that they're going to go too far because once you go to those jokes, you can't go back to being serious. Well, we'll see. Because I actually liked seeing Chris Hemsworth kind of smile because he didn't really smile in anything. You know what I mean? Um, and he's got a great smile. So I, oh, he's oh, he's he's hilarious, right? There's no there, – listen, I loved it. I loved it and I laughed a lot. The executives, the people from the movie studio are going to go, oh, if a little bit of comedy was good, more will be better. And then, then it then will become uh, a cartoon. Well, and I, I loved the back to mischievous Loki. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was great. Well, you, and know, that's such you, an- you know about my Loki thing, so – yeah, and that's fine. I celebrate that. Mm-hmm. I know you want to. You have a fantasy about you and Loki, and that's fantastic. No, I, I just, just have want him question. to do well. <laughs> it's no. If you want to bang Loki, I think you can say that. You can own that. Because <laughs> like it's it's like when like my wife and I have these lists, mm-hmm. or we used to have them. We don't have them anymore. <laughs> You know, you got your list of like, I would – no, you can bang that celebrity. You could totally – I would let you – you know, you have the list. Oh, you want to have sex with blah, blah, blah? Sure. OK, fine. And then you move to L.A. and you start meeting him. And you're like, hey, that list thing isn't funny anymore. Right. <laughs> well, no, but I have to do one thing with all of that. I have to give Lisa Bonet some serious props. Lisa Bonet? She's like 10 years older than Jason Momoa, and she she nabbed him. They're married. Whoa, she's banging Aquaman? Yeah. Wow. Good for him. Good, Good for, for him. her. 
Oh, Lisa Bonet. Lisa Bonet has been on my list since Cosby. <laughs> right? That girl. And she, wasn't she with Lenny Kravitz for the longest time? Yep. Oh, boy. Yeah, she's uh, she's she, a very, very exotic-looking, uh, sexy girl. She is my <laughs> new cougar role model. Like, that. That's a good one. That was That's good. That's a good one to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was she, good. Props she's to you, Lisa. Man. Props to you. Okay, um, we've got uh, the Infinity War coming up. That's just how you do it. That's just how you do it. You get excited wow. about that trailer. It's the culmination of 10 years of work by Marvel Comics. Good job uh, to everybody on Team Marvel. They have successfully done uh, – it's kind of almost sad to watch DC try to keep up with Justice League and do their whole thing. It's like, you guys, not so much. I haven't even seen Justice League yet. Cause you know what it is? It's like it's. I know I'm going to be disappointed, so uh, I'm just kind of holding off. You know, I won't say that I was disappointed. It was entertaining, right? Okay. But it doesn't. It doesn't do what. It, yeah, it doesn't tie everything together like the Marvel series did. Um, yeah. You're not as emotionally. I mean, the only the only character I'm truly emotionally invested in in the DC world is Gal Gal Gadot. So. Yeah. Yeah, Wonder Woman is uh, interesting. Batman should be interesting. Yeah, no. Batman is bad. Batfleck is bad. Affleck, it's not his fault. I tell you what, if from the look at it and from and from how you want the character to act, that works. Ben Affleck as uh, Bruce Wayne Batman, that works. It's the writers. It's the writers. Oh, it's the producers. Just... You know what? And I take it back. It's probably not even the writers because they take their marching offers uh, 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 orders from the studio. It's it's the studio. Yeah, he it's, just, it's at the top. The fish heads from the the fish rots from the head down. He was just uh, so depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Superman should be interesting. Uh, Green Arrow is not even in it. That's uh, blah blah blah. There's there's lots of problems there. Okay, yeah. so that uh, that is going to wrap it up for this show. Uh, what we're still going to do, Michael Topias. I got I got a Michael Topia and it's a cheap one, but damn it, I'm doing it. Go uh, ahead. See, here's how it, in the real world there's crazy rules and laws to live by, uh, and it doesn't work out. However, in Michael Topia, there's a different set of rules, and everything's wonderful. So here we go with my Michael Topia. In Michael Topia, everybody goes to theloftestparty.com and they click on party gear, and that's where they get their stocking stuffers and their gifts. It's amazing to watch. When people look at our logo, and it's it hit me again the other day, we we put out a, a video, my interview with uh, Dana Lash, and she was just insanely delighted with our logo. She's like, that needs to exist in nature. And we, when we were at CPAC last year, uh-huh. uh, uh, Gypsy, everybody's delighted with the, the logo. That's a great Christmas present. Get, get yep. a coffee mug, get a travel mug, get a T-shirt. People dig it. And uh, you're supporting a great cause. It keeps us on the air. It keeps us creating new content and sharing it. And we're having a good time. So that's what people do in my Michaeltopia. How about you? Here's something people don't do in my Michaeltopia. Um, when you are a regular at a certain type of establishment and you are loyal for the entire football season to being there to watch certain things, college football, um, you don't as the manager of that restaurant, take reservations from people who never go there and tell people who always go there, you don't have a seat. (laughs) Ooh, bad call. 
Yeah. Bad call. I, I, you got to keep your regulars happy first. I got a seat, but there. I live in. I live in Georgia. Go dogs! Yay, we won. Um, but there's this huge crew of University of Miami fans that come into that particular establishment every Saturday and have the back room. They rented yeah. it out yesterday for a birthday party for a 70-year-old. So when the Miami guys got there at 8 for their game, they literally lost their minds. Wow. That's yeah. just that's just someone who wasn't thinking. Wasn't thinking at all. Yeah, and I guarantee that'll leave a mark, and they will fix it next time. You guys, it was an awesome show. Thanks for tuning in. Do me a favor. I have to ask. Go to iTunes. Leave a review. Click some stars. The numbers are great. And so I just want to keep it going. I just don't want it to stop. I'm a junkie for this stuff. You guys are awesome. You're all sexy as hell. And I adore your choice in underwear. Side boobs awesome. See you next time.